Welcome to Health Media Now with award-winning author and host, Denise Messenger, for a lifetime of health empowerment. Live by being in the pink, meaning P stands for being persistent, I stands for using your intuition, N stands for networking, and K stands for obtaining knowledge. Preserve and protect your health by listening live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time and 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Our guests entertain and share cutting-edge information. They share with you what may have taken years to achieve through experience in their field. Become inspired and motivated. Reach your full potential with fascinating tips and products. Receive a lifetime of benefits from authors, doctors, practitioners, healthcare providers, and learn about exciting new products. You asked for it, and we delivered. Now, here's your host, Denise Messenger. Hello, listeners. Welcome. Today is November 5th, 2014. Our show today, we're going to be talking about pediatric hypnosis therapy. And I have a wonderful guest, Kelly T. Woods, with us today. She is a certified hypnotherapist. She's had her own private hypnosis practice since 2002 in Mount Vernon, Washington, along with having a broad experience set working with adult clients. She's considered a thought leader in the field of pediatric hypnosis. She's also co-authored the book called Secrets of the River, Riding the Creative Wave in Pediatric Hypnosis and Family Therapy. And she did this along with a British family therapist named Nath Welch. Kelly's also the founder of Hypnotic Women, a private forum of more than 600 female hypnosis practitioners. And they serve, and she serves as a moderator on hypnothoughts.com. She's also a field supervisor for the Hypnosis Practitioner Training Institute. Listeners, I truly don't know how she has the time to be with us today, but I am so incredibly thankful for it. So now let me bring on to our show Kelly. Hello, Kelly. Hi, Denise. Thank you for having me today. Great that you're here with us. Thank you. I always and like you know, to ask have... my... Excuse yeah, me? Go ahead. Oh, I always like to ask my guest how they got on the path that they're on today. Would you inform oh, our have, listeners about this? You bet. I have a great story. Um, I had previously run some private businesses of my own, and I had recently sold one and was looking for the next adventure in my life. This was about 13 years ago. And I went on a blind date with a gentleman who happened to be a hypnotherapist. Now, while I didn't fall for him, I really fell for what he was talking about. And the next day, I started looking into getting some training in the field, and that started the whole thing. <laughs> That's a great story. I love yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> didn't fall for him. <laughs> <laughs> but you love the subject matter. <laughs> You never know what you're going to get. That's my thought. That's my <laughs> uh, life is just a box of chocolates, right? Exactly. Let's talk a little bit about um, pediatric hypnosis therapy. Would you define that for us? Well, basically it's uh, utilizing hypnosis to help children with um, issues 
that they might be presenting. And um, people may specialize in this who are who are already a hypnosis practitioner. Even um, a lot of child psychologists will utilize hypnosis within their practices. I am not a licensed mental health professional. I am a in the state of Washington, we're a registered um, hypnosis practitioner. We're actually a certified hypnotherapist is our title. And um, specializing in working with children is something that a lot of hypnosis practitioners, although not all of them do that, it's usually because we have a passion for working with children. And we can use a lot of the same techniques and processes that we would use with an an adult client, but there are definitely some differences and and variations in how we relate with the kid and what, what our expectations of of their experiences may be. Why did you choose to work with children? I think that was something probably that came as a result of me being a mother and being around my own three children for years, obviously. And I also happen to be a practitioner of karate. I have studied it for almost 13 years now, and I'm a holder of a second-degree black belt in Shito-ru style of karate. And within that journey, I worked with a lot of the children in our dojo and just had an affinity for them and helping them um, increase their own mind-body awareness and helping them move past fears just seemed to be a natural to move into my hypnosis practice, too. Who are typically your clients? In other words, we know that they're children, but are there specific maladies that, that are involved. You know, Melody? kids can present. Yeah, kids can present with all kinds of issues to to a a hypnotherapist, Denise. You know, if you think about um, the state of our culture right now, it doesn't take much to consider where kids fit into that picture. Our our stress levels are pretty high, and kids' schedules are fairly full. In fact, often overbooked. I think that um, the parents nowadays, and this has been going on for a while, we really want our children to have more experiences and more opportunities than we might have had. And in that endeavor, sometimes the children lose that that sense of being a child because their days are scheduled from the very moment they wake up until they fall into bed at night. And so this can really move kids into being stressed out, and we know that stress is often the root of of many physical problems that people present with, and that applies to children too. Anxiety is something that I see more and more coming into my office with children. Um, Kids have fears and even phobias. Uh, They might have um, physical problems like bedwetting. There's not much worse for a 13-year-old boy than to have a bedwetting problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and and it doesn't have to be, you know, all problems like that. Hypnosis can help children with improving their focus, their memory retention, or, you know, assisting them with things like test anxiety. Um, many of the kids come in looking for some help from um, changing some of their habits that they're struggling with, like nail biting, or one that I've worked quite a bit with is hair pulling. Trichotillomania is something that is really not that uncommon, and hypnosis can be very effective for it. 
And we can also have things that are related to eating and diet, so mm-hmm. um, picky, picky eaters. <laughs> and um, we have some fun interventions that would help promote an expansion of taste preferences for children. So, you know, there are just so many ways that, that children can be helped. Um, you know, I also have certification in using hypnosis for pain relief. And unfortunately, there are children that are suffering with chronic pain or going through medical treatments, and hypnosis can alleviate and and reduce their suffering from from those treatments also. Do children respond quicker than adults with hypnosis? They they respond very easily, and the reason for that is that a lot of people in in my profession, and, and I tend to agree with that, believe that young children in particular are almost in a in a trance state normally. They're they're really actively engaged in their creative imagination. And so it's easy to harness that, to just step into that world and utilize it. You know, in the first decade of life, which is, is so crucial because during that time that a lot of our um, belief systems are built and all the imprints and impressions are just flowing freely into those young minds and, and actually being downloaded because, you know, our mind is much like a computer. And so, you know, we can tell a five-year-old that there's a tooth fairy and they're going to look around the room to see where she is. And so we can utilize that. The, the subconscious doesn't differentiate between real and fantasy. So when I tell a child that they can blow out all of those bad feelings into the balloon that's hovering above them, they'll actually do it. They will engage in it. And that part of their mind that's managing their emotional states will believe that they've been released and they'll, and they'll feel differently about the situation or about themselves. So, yes, I think I think children are ideal hypnotic subjects. It's particularly important for children that they receive some form of guidance when they're young before they take it with them into adulthood, don't you think? I totally agree with you, and I think that when we, when I, I do a lot of training and when I'm working with other practitioners teaching them some of my methodology about working with children, I, I make the case for working with children exactly based on what you just said, is that if we can empower a child and raise their emotional intelligence and give them some tools and some techniques and some perspectives, they'll take that into the rest of their life. And and I've and I have some clients that are, you know, now ten years later, returning, stopping in to see me after they've completed college, and and told me how many times they've used some of the the skills that they learned with me when they were younger, and mm. um, you know, and it it affects not just them but the people that are in their orbit too. Mhm, mhm. It's really it's really a valuable tool. I suppose too. Children don't know what's best for them in a lot of ways, but when you when you guide them, that really helps them in the future. I think so, and you know what a lot of parents and caregivers and teachers can encounter is trying to 
make a child do something that they don't want to do. And one of the natural inclinations of our mind is to resist. And so some of the skills that a hypnosis practitioner would use would be to creatively step into that child's world and align with the child so that together they could find out what will make make improvements happen so that Mm -hmm. the child can then learn to make more positive choices for themselves and really it comes it comes down to empowering the child you know i i believe that children's um, self-worth is not based on what they are told and a lot of people make that mistake they'll tell their child how intelligent they are how skilled they are how um, talented they are where that actual self-worth is built through experience through the things that Uh a child accomplishes And what's wonderful about hypnosis is, if you remember when I mentioned that the subconscious mind, which is the realm that we play in in hypnosis, doesn't differentiate between real and fantasy, I can guide a child through having positive experiences and overcoming obstacles, achieving goals, and that part of them will feel like they really have accomplished that. And it can release self-limiting doubts and fears. So how how do we develop um, the skill set and the ability to use it? You mean as a as a are you talking as a parent? Yes. Um, I think that perhaps educating our, ourselves about the power of language would be really important. Um, just as a parent, you're you are a person of influence, especially, like I mentioned, in that first decade of life. And, you know, for example, if if a parent is is smoking a cigarette and then telling their child, don't do this, this is not healthy, the real message that's getting into the subconscious mind is, here's someone I love and admire doing doing something. And that lands in because the subconscious mind is not judgmental. It's not really deciding is this a good thing or a bad thing. It's just relating and associating that to this person of influence in the life. And so there's a higher chance later that that child will pick up that habit despite what the parents said. And so really knowing that it's, it's our language that we're using with children, but the way that we're communicating is also nonverbal. So paying attention to that, educating, and, and, you know, raising our own emotional intelligence. You know, for example, using using the phrase don't is very um, unhelpful. And you might remember when your child was young, if you were to say don't spill the milk, that it was only a few seconds later that the milk spilled. Or <clears throat> don't slam the door and kaboom, there it goes. Because the subconscious mind doesn't consider a void. It first has to think of what you're telling them not to do or not to think of. Gee, don't think of chocolate cake if you're on a diet. And there it is. And it's almost getting the message to do that. So rephrasing the way that you're communicating those messages and and your desires instead, um, you know, drink your milk carefully or shut the door quietly. These would be more positive ways that um, would get... The, the desired effect. Hmm. That's really good advice. Yeah. Do you have any particular, uh, say, 
really challenging case with a child to share with with us that um, was an amazing turnaround? I'm sure you probably have many, but... I have. I've had so many that and each each experience with a child is wonderful in that I learn from these little people every time. And, and I think, you know, when you're in a rewarding occupation is when you're constantly learning. That's, you know, I try to have a beginner's mind and, and I think that's a value that I have. I had one this last year that um, was a four-year-old girl who had a hair-pulling habit, and she had started as a baby nursing. She would self-comfort while she was nursing and pulling at her hair. Well, it had progressed to a point where um, she had very little hair left and was wearing a bandana, and um, she had a lovely family, a little baby brother and two awesome parents. They were referred to me. They had um, seen you know, medical doctor, and they'd also gone to a behavior therapist and really had no success to that point. And so this wonderful little child and I had several sessions kind of spaced out over a several-month period, and she had pretty much resolution of the problem within a couple of sessions. And um, it was amazing because all I had to do was step into her fantastic little imagination and you know, <laughs> help her help her sculpt the answers. And we did a lot of narrative therapy, storytelling, and creating the answers. And you know, one of one of the things that I found that, that is most marvelous to do, and, and a lot of your listeners can do this when their children are struggling and, and looking for you know help and solutions, is to reverse the role. And what I will do is. Uh, I have a comfortable office here, and I have a, a swivel chair for myself. But I will actually lie back on the couch and let the child sit in my chair and take on the the hypnotist role. And I'll oh, wow. present with a problem, and I'll put my hand on my forehead and say, "Oh dear, I don't know what to do," and I'll make up something. And and the children will come up with solutions. I had one little guy, he was maybe five years old, and he looked at me, and he was very serious. <laughs> and he said, you need to take a breather. And then he, <laughs> then he went on to just give me a great um, breathing lesson. <laughs> so, so funny. They often have the solutions inside of them, and you can imagine the difference when... They're self-empowered, and they find those solutions. So having them imagine characters or having them discover a superhero that can come and, and mm-hmm. you know, save the day, these, mm-hmm. are, these are often creative ways to, you know, f- to solve issues and, and while we're empowering the child. The, the child that was pulling her hair... It sounded like yeah. she started almost at a an infant stage. Is that right. correct? Right. And, you know, um, I think that a mistake that a lot of people make is to assume that there was some problem, some dysfunction that that sets a habit like that into place. And, and hair, hair pulling, that can happen. It can, you know... Um, be just a way our psyche deals with stress or anxiety. But in this case, it was just a habit. It was just a little self-soothing thing that started and then became entrenched. 
I know you're familiar with neuroplasticity and how, you know, those neurons that fire together Mm -hmm. wire together. So in this Mm -hmm. case, that little brain, which, by the way, at that age, they are, you know, um, the brain is growing at such a fantastic rate and then pruning off old pathways that are, are becoming obsolete. So that's another reason why it's great to, you know, have these interventions early. Um, and so it was becoming, it was an automatic response for her. And she didn't, she wanted to have long, beautiful hair. She didn't like having this half bald head either. So <laughs> it was below her, her, her oh conscious choice and decision to do that. That as she started having success, that that part of her mind was able to shift and, and grow some new pathways so that when she did have some stress and and everybody has stress. A lot of people don't realize that small children get stressed. They worry. They have mm-hmm. fears. And, mm-hmm. you know, and they need to have ways that they can process that. And so, you know, we just came up with a few different remedies that we can use for her. And one one of the problems was that she was actually doing it in her sleep. And um, so we were able to solve that by coming up with a a special sleeping potion. And I had a lovely little bottle that had some light scented perfume (laughs) in it. And so she got to dab that on her pillow and that, that calmed that activity while she slept. So that's amazing. You know, hypnosis isn't magic, but it can feel like it, especially to Mm -hmm. children. And in fact, Mm -hmm. I think that's what, really intrigues them and it's always important that when a parent contacts me one of the questions they'll they'll ask me is well how do I explain you know who you are and how do I introduce you and and you know depending on the child's age but usually when they're younger I will say well I'm an imagination expert and and let them introduce me that way so that it separates me from maybe some of the other clinical um, encounters that they've had and I act goofy and silly anyway. I might be wearing my Grouch Remarks glasses and, and mustache when they come in or <laughs> and we work on the floor. <laughs> we have a we have a magic carpet blanket that we lay on and you know just, Oh how fun. Yeah, it's great. I have a wonderful job, don't I? You really do. <laughs> I know it. So when these when when these children are um exhibiting this you know, some compulsive behavior, um you're able to give them the the tools to to kind of direct them in a different or direct their thinking patterns into in, into a different wavelength and build that new wiring in their brain so that yeah. this will be a lifelong solution for them it is and, and not just for that particular um issue that they're presenting with but giving them a template so that if they run into things like that again, they'll know how to restructure it themselves. And, you know, it might be as simple as teaching them what we call an anchor collapse, and and um, that's a way where we can let one entrenched pathway um, subside while we're encouraging another positive one that we want. And mm-hmm. that, you know, combines some physical gestures that are anchored to it. And so we can teach a specific technique for, you know, kids as young as, as old, six years old can learn that. I found that 
teenagers in particular are really open to learning. They love to learn, and they are also, as centers of their own universe, really interested in finding out everything about themselves. That's why they have all those surveys in teen magazines. Mm-hmm. And when when we're working with, with a young person of that age, we're really um, opening the door for self-discovery. And I will introduce them to tools like um, an ideomotor pendulum where we'll, we'll have a simple weight on a string and I'll teach them how to set it up as... Um, a way to communicate with their subconscious mind because so tiny muscular movements are generated from the mind and they come out in a swing pattern in that in that pendulum. And these teenagers are fascinated. I've often done group sessions with, with teenagers and they construct their own pendulum and then I teach them how to use it. And that way, you know, they can really investigate how they truly feel about things. And again, it's, it's about to empowerment. Be really- it has to be really fun for them. And just think, they, they take fun. it and show it to their friends, which is empowerment in itself. Look, look, what I, well, look what I know, look what I've learned versus you have no clue. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, and having a, having a sense of fun is so important. That's, that's really how we can have the, find the rapport that we need to, to open that door of communication and mm-hmm. we and we also get them into a, recept, a state of receptivity. When it's fun, kids suspend disbelief. They step right into this magical thing that's happening, and we can use some hypnotic phenomena to make that happen. We can you know, do <clears throat> stick their stick their hands together, or have some arm levitation, or you know even hallucinations, so that they're. They're really looking up and seeing that bunch of balloons or, you know, some other fantastic, wonderful thing. So it's uh, I, I really believe that taking the, the serious um, tone, even when you're working with, with, a, with what is a serious topic, taking that mm-hmm. serious tone out mm-hmm. of it and working in a lighthearted approach is essential. Let's talk a little bit about um, modern hypnosis and the use of age regression? Um, It's a great question, and it's something that that I'm very aware of because I think that um, modern hypnosis, and we actually, in in Hope Coaching, that um, Michael Elner and Alan Barsky and I, I are organized with, we use the term mindful hypnosis. And what we mean by that is that it's a more of an interactive state. It's not a matter of someone just coming in, closing their eyes, and be doing something to them. But it's a collaborative effort. It's where together I'm guiding them and teaching them, and then they are learning and practicing things. So this is a a huge part of my practice and, and that empowerment that I was talking about Um the older school hypnosis relied a lot on what's called regress to cause, believing that there's always, you know, some cause in the past that's at the root of a problem. And that very well may be in some cases, but to be dependent on that is limiting. And it can and it can also, I think, be unhelpful for a client, especially if a person is brought back to um, traumatic events, for example, 
and I'm very careful to never traumatize my clients. I want them to be having a pleasant and and enlightening and lift variance. That being said, I sometimes use age regression with children. And I can explain one one time that I did this was with uh, an eight-year-old boy who presented with a picky eating problem, and he had a very limited repertoire, and and both he and his parent wanted him to be able to expand it, but he just could not tolerate introducing new foods. And he was he was a great kid and really loved what we were doing. And in hypnosis, I um, guided him back in a dissociated state to a younger age when he started being a picky eater. So he was actually observing that from a, from a distance. And he was three years old, and it was when the baby brother arrived. And he saw himself there as if that were his little brother and got some information about it. And then I asked him, at what point do you think it would be okay for that little guy to get over it and to grow up a little bit? And he said, oh, I think probably at about five. So then we moved (laughs) to see his five-year-old self. Oh, my gosh. He's visiting there with his five-year-old self. It's another brother for him. He's having a great time. He was showing him how to hit a hit a baseball. And I said, well, you know everything about him. What's going on? And, and this eight-year-old child said, well, he's really worried about his life. He's not sure if he's going to be okay. Hmm. And I said, so I said, why don't you talk to him about that and let him know he's going to be okay because here you are. And so he had that conversation with him and that I brought him back up to the present time, and his problem was resolved. So oh I don't know exactly what happened there, but the, mm-hmm. he had the opportunity to go and have a new perspective from his 8-year-old mature self. And he also um, was motivated by the fact that the older boy would get over that baby problem because he mm-hmm. saw that that really was a baby problem. And he didn't have to understand any of the stresses or anxiety that went in there. And so just just using that that type of age regression was a fun experience for him. And it also moved him past, you know, whatever was limiting him and freed him. So he and his mom went out and had a great lunch after that session. Oh. Now, how did you put him into the um, hypnosis state? Oh, that was easy. I had him imagine that he had a protective bubble all around him, and he described it in detail to me. And then I asked him if he, I asked him if he had any um, controls, and he had a whole control panel there, just like the instrument panel of the 747. <laughs> so after that, it was lift off, and then I asked him to look at his time travel <laughs> instruments there, and sure enough, here we went. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Yeah, he was great. He could have all the answers. Sometimes it almost feels like cheating because they make it pretty easy. <laughs> yeah, they, they really are wise. They really have wise souls. It's just growing up that destroys that. <laughs> well, it, you know, it is. And, and, I, and I say it that often the biggest problem with with children is adults. If we just let them be kids long enough, they mm-hmm. they'll figure out a lot a lot of stuff, and and they have that wonderful creativity within them, and 
and to encourage that and to promote that is one of the best things that we can do. <laughs> yeah, that thing is uh, during during that journey, a bird pooped uh-huh. on his bubble, so we had to we had to make a detour and and get it washed off. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> I I know that you do some wonderful work with um, sick children, you know, physically sick children um, in the pain relief area. How does that How does that work? I do. Well, again, it is. You know, when we're when we're talking about pain, we're talking about the signal that a person is perceiving, and and that's true of of any age. Although, you know, children. Um, are unique in that they don't have the, the longer time frame and, and the base of experiences that that older people do. And, in fact, they often are living very much in the moment, especially small children, and they can go from a negative to a positive state in a matter of seconds. And we know that. We can see even a, a child that falls down and skins their knee can be in misery and then, you know, seconds later be giggling. And so when we understand that we can shift their perceptions that easily, it's it's a matter of playing with those dynamics and giving them permission to step into their imaginary world where they're engaging in comfort or fun. And um, the results happen very quickly. I think that um, people are getting much more wise about how to work with children. There's some awesome medical professionals out there, doctors and nurses that are so talented in how they deal with kids and and they're doing a great job in reducing that fear factor. But there's there's always room for education in in that realm. And I and I happen to believe that one of the areas that really needs to be addressed and, and worked on is people in those professions getting their own care, <laughs> reducing their own suffering because that's a pretty taxing field to work in. It can it can really mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it can really drain drain a person because you know you see a lot of tragedy. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, indeed. One so, of the um, yeah. one of the big challenges um, for parents is finding the right language when communicating with their children. Um, yes, and and you know again, I think the challenge is because we're drawn our, on our own perspectives and experiences as an adult, and especially young children. Not only don't, not only do they not have those experiences, they don't have the cognitive ability to see things from our perspective. It's just not formed yet. Uh, their brain is still developing. And so to be able to understand that, number one, children see things very literally and and to be able to be very clear and concise in, in how we communicate to them, but not also, also not to restrict it, like I mentioned before, to, to language, but to be showing them in different ways. And we know there's all kinds of different styles of learning. So to be able to teach in, in those different styles is important, too. And you have to establish which way your child learns the best. I mean, you can have three kids, and one of them is an audio, the other is a visual. 
and the right. and the other is a doer. Yes, and they may even be combinations of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and I think that you know, parents really know their kids best if they're paying attention, and that's mm-hmm. what it comes down to is is to pay attention. That's really what children want. They want that unconditional love and that attention. And unfortunately, you know, today's lifestyles there doesn't seem to be enough of that in the in the schedule. And so, you know, the the kids are getting shorted that way. And I think yeah. that, you know, if you add fractured family systems into that then there's even mm-hmm. that limits the resources even more. What are you seeing relative to our technology? In other words, kids aren't speaking to one another. They're texting each other. And yes, they are. And what is going on with, um, in other words, their development in terms of relationships between each other? Um, you know, there's a lot of concern in older generations about this, and I think it's because of our discomfort with technology. Um, I think that there is this new this new paradigm of how we're communicating, and um, digital communication is extremely powerful. I don't personally think that it's limiting the way that kids are communicating. I think it's just changing the way that they are, and um, I think that they're they're still very astute and they're still driven by some of the things that have always been present. Young young people um need to need to be together. They you know, their peers are, are very important to them. Girls love to talk. They're still going to be talking. <laughs> I mean that's that's how they bond. And, you know, when girls are talking to each other and they go in the bathrooms and gab they're actually having the release of those of you know feel good chemicals like dopamine. So I think that you know people aren't going to stop doing that. Um, it's just I see the you know the modern technology is just one more way that they're learning to communicate, and their brains are getting wired that way too. It's true. Mhm, mhm. Well, and things can be misinterpreted in in a texting environment. Absolutely, because because it is limited. You're missing out on all all of the the nuances. And I think that you know there's no fails. There's only learning experiences. And when I have teenagers that come in that are upset about some of the relationships that they're having, these are some of the awarenesses that that they already know. And so we look for solutions and other ways that they can be able to express themselves. But also, more importantly to be able to see themselves through their own eyes instead of other people. Mm-hmm. Because that's that's mm-hmm. really what happens at that age is that they perceive themselves through their peers' eyes and 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 that's not always a good thing. And so giving mm-hmm. them those tools where, you know, they can be a little more autonomous yet still feel like they're connected with, with their generation is important. What are your experiences working with autism and ADHD children? Well, I've worked with both, and, you know, it's interesting because there's such an increase in in diagnoses in in both of those areas. Ironically, a lot of people are under the the presumption that 
hypnosis wouldn't be effective for kids that have attention problems because we're really working working with your ability to focus and, and pay attention. But I found that for the most part, these children and adults who have that diagnosis too have an ability to super focus, to hyper focus, and. You can you can see this when you watch a child playing a video game to the point that they're not responding to requests to take out the garbage or come to the dinner table. And so it's a matter of, um, in hypnosis, of just being able to harness that, not just to be able to do the work, but to demonstrate to the child that, wait a minute, you have a great ability to do this. Let's play with it. And, you know, Sometimes when they come in there, they're really suffering with the stigma of a diagnosis like that. They may have been teased or been told that because you have this, you can't do this or you're not as good as that. And so their self-worth is, is really suffering. And it's my job to empower them and help lift them up out of that because we are what we believe. Mm-hmm. Are there instances where... ADHD children can come off the medications because of the therapy that they've received. You know, I haven't had I haven't had that occasion. I try not to stay. I try to stay out of that controversial topic myself, and okay. let you know let a let the parents talk with their medical Decide. professionals in that area. Um, mm-hmm. For the most part, I get kids coming in here whose parents want to avoid the drug treatment approach. They're looking for some different way that they may be able to address the challenge. Listeners, if you're just tuning in, we're talking today with Kelly T. Woods. She's a co-author of the book called Secrets of the River, Riding the Creative Wave in Pediatric Hypnosis and Family Therapy. What else would you like to share with um, our listeners today? Well, Denise, I think that if you know if a if a parent is having a child who's who's struggling in their life, and you know they're having symptoms such as anxiety or sleep problems, or it can even be manifesting in digestive problems. You know, we, when we think about mm-hmm. our digestive tract. Um, the enteric nervous system, it is so complex, so, so complex that it has its own management system that's in the form of the cells that line it. And those cells are actually processing emotions. And so it's no wonder that often kids will get tummy aches or, or even have things, you know, up to like um, intestinal bowel um, syndrome mm-hmm. problems mm-hmm. as a result of how they're processing the stress and, and anxiety in their life. So whether it's those, you know, a more serious issue like that, or or even, um, you know, maybe changing some habits, one thing that's really important is that the child needs to be interested in making the changes. Without that, there's a great reduction in in the chance for success. Sometimes I'll have parents call me and and say, "Well, can you make my 12-year-old do his homework?" <laughs> and you know, in a case like that, I'll encourage the parents to come in and work with me, and, and I have. And, and then uh-huh. suddenly, you know, after a few sessions, the, the child's homework, even though I've never met them. Um, but it's 
I think it's um, important to not only get consent from a child, but to have their cooperation. And when that is gained, then it's possible to creatively step into that child's worth and world, and then together we can find the solution. And, mm-hmm. and I think that a lot of that, and this is something that parents are doing if they're you know, a creative parent, is providing choices to their children. When we, when we give a child a sense of choice, it gives them a sense of control in their life. And I know there's so many easy ways to do that. You can think of, boy, how many people struggle with bedtime. But it can be the simple thing as offering the child a choice. Would you rather sleep with your monkey or your elephant? And they're going to take one of those choices and trot off to bed without knowing, mm-hmm. of course, you know, either choice would have been fine for you. And so mm-hmm. really considering how you can allow your child to have a sense of control through choice is a great way to empower your child. Yeah, I raised my son that way. And it worked, didn't it? It really did. He grew up to be a very um, secure human being. That's awesome. I love that. And I think that along with that, when we can step back and let our kids fail a little bit, that's a good thing too. Those are learning experiences. Mm-hmm. And while we always want to protect and love and and um, inspire our kids, just sometimes some of those small lessons in that way can, can go a long, a long, long ways. Oh, yeah. I mean, everybody has to fail before they can succeed. That's just how it is <laughs> in right. most cases. And, and, your, right. your greatest learning experiences are through failures. This is the truth. And also learning that you have the ability to get up, dust yourself off, and get right back on that horse. Mm-hmm. So, you know, mm-hmm. that, that's where that's where the resilience comes in, and, and building that resilience is yep. is something else. And I tell you, I see a lot of that happening in, in my um, karate training and seeing the children in there grow because they don't give up. They keep showing up. And mm-hmm. it's, you know, sometimes uncomfortable for them or hard and, and difficult, but the ones that stick with it really uh, make such fantastic progress. It's amazing. So Kelly T. Woods, why don't you tell our listeners how they can reach you, where they can purchase your book? Oh, okay, thank you. Well, if they're interested in the book, they can find it on Amazon.com. It's in print or Kindle form. And if they're interested in hearing more about how I might be able to help them or their child, they can access me at my website, woodshypnosis.com, W-O-O-D-S. And I have people that travel here regionally to see me. I'm in northwest Washington, but I also work via Skype, and kids love Skype, by the way. It's it's natural to them. Or I can probably also refer them to a qualified hypnotist in their area because I have some pretty large network groups. I I wanted to say mm-hmm. if some of, some of your listeners, Denise, have a child in their life who's being challenged with a medical issue, they can mm-hmm. send me an email at, to Kelly, K-E-L-L-E-Y, at Woods Hypnosis, and I'll send them a free copy of my ebook that's written for parents and caregivers, Pediatric Pain Relief. And in it, there are a lot of um, exercises and remedies to that, so they can help that child. I'd be happy to oh, give that to them. 
Oh, that would that would be wonderful. Uh, repeat your email address one more time. It is Kelly K E L L E Y at Woods Hypnosis. The book is also available on my website, hopeisrealistic.com. Great. And again, the title of your book? Um, the book for the, for pediatric pain relief is Pediatric Pain Relief. And the title of my book that I wrote with Nathan Welsh is Secrets right. of the River. Yeah. Writing the Creative Ways in Pediatric Hypnosis and Family Therapy. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Kelly. I think that you you are providing a wonderful service, not only to children and their parents, but to humanity as a whole. Thank you again. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I enjoyed it. Okay. All right. All right. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, listeners. Um, please join us again next Wednesday for a wonderful show. And um, take care. Bye-bye for now. We celebrate our listeners worldwide and invite you to contact Denise at www.healthmedianow.com with any questions you may have. And follow her on Twitter at Health Media Now and Facebook at Health Media Now. For those interested in an advertising campaign on her show, contact Lisa at knowledgeworkspub.com. Be sure to visit gotcancernowwhat.com for information on Denise Messenger's award-winning book, Got Cancer? Now What? Listeners, I just want to remind you that the entire contents of this radio show are based upon the opinions of Denise and her guest. It's not intended to replace a one-on-one relationship with a qualified healthcare professional, and it's not intended as a medical advice. We're sharing knowledge and information within our community. We encourage you to make your own healthcare decisions based upon your research and in partnership with a qualified healthcare professional of your choice. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Thank you. Bye-bye.